You guys will stand with me as I read from uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28, as we prepare for communion. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in any unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You may be seated. Welcome to Christ's community today, a day of praise, a day of worship, a day of exaltation, a day of the word. Mark just read to us a key passage this morning. If you have a copy of the scriptures, I'd invite you to turn, if you didn't, during the reading to 1 Corinthians 11. There's a couple passages there at the very top of your uh, worship guide notes that tell you where we want to go in our time together before we come to the table of the Lord. I don't know what your tradition is. Being a community church, people come from various avenues and theological persuasions. But we must agree on the essentials and the common things. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And the church said, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, crucified, dead, buried, and gloriously raised on the third day. And there's some other many essentials that we do agree on. And then there's non-essentials. But today I want to talk about the Lord's table. Maybe you call it the Lord's table. Maybe you call it the Lord's supper. Maybe you call it Eucharist. Maybe you call it communion. It doesn't matter what name you call it, but the important thing is that you do remember the table. That's what it's about today. Remembering the tables. It's a powerful demonstration with five tables set up in the room. You know me to want to be contemporary always, always wanting to be creative for a purpose to point you to, to Jesus. I don't like to be rude. I don't like to be ritualistic. So I like to keep things changing that somehow you won't just go to a place in your mind every time we celebrate communion, but somehow you will always, always desire one thing, to get into the presence of God. And this morning, the table is just one of those ways, instead of passing the cups or you going to the sides or coming to the front, you're going to come to the table and there'll be table leaders. Let me just go ahead and tell you now, there's five tables. There's six chairs, but there's been six leaders that will, have already been appointed. They'll be at the table. So there'll be five times five is 25 will be served at a time. When a table empties, let's have a few people standing by, and then you fill the table, and we'll just go through the table experience, and we'll serve the common cup, and we'll participate with the love of Christ. Jesus, he's w- with his 12 closest companions, the disciples in the upper room there at the Passover And he's telling them one last supper that I want to celebrate with you that love me. And, you know, I've thought about this. What would you do if it was your last meal on earth? You knew it to be your last day to draw breath, your last night. And you were gathering with your buddies. What would you do? What would you want to tell them? Would you want to love them? Would you want to encourage them? Would you want to give them a special word or a paragraph or something from your life or some prized possession? What is it that you would do? And Jesus instructed them that night that I've got something for you to do. I've got a mission. And I'm counting on you to carry the mission of the gospel to the whole world. 
And these guys, at least 11, they were faithful to carry the gospel. And therefore, we have the gospel today. But what special words this morning, as I think about it, as we look at the table, look at the center table with me. It's the common loaf. And this is his body, which is broken for you. His body, broken for you and me. And I hope this morning before we just run, man, the aroma is amazing. It makes me think of the passage that he says, we should be the pleasing fragrance of God. We should be the aroma of Christ to the world. And the church said, we should be pleasing in God's sight. The world should be attracted to our mighty Savior. And we will come and participate in the broken bread, the body that was broken for us. On that same night, he took the cup, the cup of the New Testament. The cup that represents the blood that was shed for you and me. And he said, take and do this often in remembrance of me. And as we drink of the cup, we remember the blood that was shed. We won't drink of this cup. What we'll do today is, let me just remind you, we'll take off a piece of bread. Not this big piece of bread, but we'll take off a little piece of bread. And we'll dip it into the cup. And then we'll receive that sacrament unto Jesus Christ himself and to the Lord of glory. But communion... Christ followers have been doing this for a few thousand years. And before that, they would gather and they would celebrate the Passover and all that it represented there in the book of Exodus chapter 12 and verses that follow. But his body broken for you and I. In the Greek, there's a word, kolonia. And it means to share in common, to have this mutual thing, to participate, to fellowship, to bond. Kononia. Today, we're going to have a Kononia moment. Can you say that with me? Kononia. Say it with me. Kononia. We are going to have that moment that the table, but it's not the table so much. It's the elements of the table, the bread and the cup that unify us, that make us one with Christ. It's a shared experience. You see right there across the very top of your notes, a couple quotes that I want to give a, a credit to a bishop and to Bo Hughes about things that they've said of the commemoration of the table. And this morning, every I don't do this, but every so many years that I will teach, we'll just celebrate it whenever. But today, I just felt like I wanted to slow down and I wanted to do the basics, the tenets of faith. Last weekend, it was baptism, and we witnessed gloriously seven following Christ in baptism. Today, it's as Christ followers. Some are in the habit that they do it every time they gather. Some do it once a month. Some once a quarter. But today, we are invited to come to the table of Jesus Christ. Now, there's three steps I want you to look at quickly with me. Look within and do inventory. Before you come to the table, I ask that you are willing to repent of your sin, turn from sin, receive Jesus Christ if you've not done it already as Savior and Lord, but then do inventory that you look within your heart to see if there be any hurtful, offensive way or sinful pattern or activity within your life, and you say, yes, Lord, I want a new start. I want to begin again. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight and 29, it says, a man ought to examine himself. Nobody can do this for you. Your wife can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. Your mom or dad, your brother or sister, your grandparents. You have to look within and ask yourself, is there some way that I've sinned against another person? Is there some way that I've sinned against Christ? But a healthy introspection is what is needed this morning. And as we look within, Christ is able to cleanse and forgive completely and to remove that bondage from us. 
with this many people that have gathered on this campus today, there are people that came in here with strongholds, with bondages in their life, and somehow you're held back from the fullness and the freedom that comes in Jesus Christ and the identity that Christ has for you. That message that uh, Nathan preached several weeks ago about the identity of Christ. You don't know your full identity in Christ when you walk in sin, when you cherish sin. So today, get rid of it. Lay it at the cross. Lay it at this altar and go, Lord, I want to come clean. I want to allow you to come and to move in my heart today and to do a new work. Now, listen. Communion should bring about the awareness of sin. But in the awareness of sin, some people are driven from the cross. They're driven from cross, Christ. But in the awareness of your sin, you should survey, you should examine. But at that point, you should realize you can be forgiven completely today and walk out clean and new. And the body said, that is good news. You go, well, I hear this. I have sinned too much. I've done too much wickedness. That's just some pride. Come to the table. All that will resemble or all that will want to follow and look like Christ, all that will want to hear the voice of God, follow Christ. Come to the table. And in coming to the table, I still don't get it. I've done it for over 32 years. It's a mystical work of God. It's the union of Jesus Christ And the person that follows him that they meet together. He brings us to the table we receive. But I ask you, will you stay away? Look at the question. What do you see? That's just write it in. What do you see when you look within? For every person, it could be something different. Don't look at the person next to you and go, I mean, you can start writing down. I encourage you probably not to do that in this room. But you might want to go home this afternoon and go, what do I see when I look within? But when you see what Christ shows you, then be willing to deal with it. I've got a question. Are you a full-time student? Are you a full-time teacher? Are you a full-time businessman? Are you a full-time dad? Are you a full-time mom and a part-time follower of Christ? If that's true, repent of that today and go, today I choose to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And somehow I want to walk out of here with resurrection power like I've never had and I want to follow after Christ where I turn toward him, where there's an act of worship from my heart from from the one who created me and the one that redeemed me. This morning we dedicated children and they've been created in the image of their God. And they will be redeemed if they're willing to repent and receive Jesus Christ. That's an awesome thing. But this morning you're saying, well, hey, I'm already a teenager. I'm an adult. I'm an older adult. It doesn't matter where you are, Christ wants to receive you at that place. So, number two, you have to look back to know where you've come from. Look in your past. All the time when I look in my past and I look at where I've come, I can get defeated if I hang out in the past. Do I have a witness in the room? I mean, if I just think about all the gross, sinful, wicked things, y'all want to hear about some of them? No. I'm not going to tell you. But if, but if I talked about my sinful past, God gets no glory and there's no freedom. There's bondage. There's defeat. And the accuser will wreak havoc on your life and mine if we just live in the past. But it is important to look where you came from. But looking forward to where you're going. And looking forward to who Christ is making you now. It's like when you look at uh, photos of your family. You have photo albums laying around your house. And maybe they're on a coffee table or something. And you look in there and you begin to see a little bit more of the story. 
I don't know about you, but now with the digital age, you know, we've kind of got away from a lot of that, but we still, so I, I get my iPhone now. I, I, I've become a nut with my iPhone. It, it's really scary. I take pictures of everything and then I send them to people. And some people are like, you are obsessed, but I'm just so excited. Like this building, I've been sending pictures of this building all over America. And people are like, oh, Keith's back on it again. You see, because I'm believing God. Are you believing God for our future church? God has an amazing work that he's writing right now and for the work yet to come. Oh, God. But as you look at the Old Testament, Exodus 12 was the Passover. And I won't have time to go through all this, but it's Exodus 12, 26 and 27. He says, and when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then you tell them it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And he spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And then the people bowed down and then they worshiped him because the Lord had passed over or the death angel had passed over. And Christ's blood had been atoned, or this part, the blood of the lamb had been atoned over the top and the sides of the door, and there was freedom. Today is no different. I, I got to just share this with you real quick. When you came in the foyer into this room, there's a symbolic wall before you came in. Last weekend with the Troy students, some of them asked me what it meant. The red wall represents the Passover, the blood that covered the door that red represents before we come into worship the blood covers us but then we get the new testament grace and christianity and then there's the cross the center point the centerpiece of mankind and by the way of the cross we worship god freely so god in bondage here lord we don't have to die we can live in jesus christ so christ takes the bread and he gives thanks and he breaks it and he gives it to his friends and he says this is my body do this in remembrance of me. Look at the question there. What God memory, somehow I left it off the note, sorry about that. What God memory is special to you? Just write in there the question. What God memory, what God moment is special to your life? Was it when you were saved? Was it your baptism? Was it your healing? Was it your deliverance? Was it your answered prayer? Was it leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life? What is your God moment? In this room, and we don't have time, but if we had people go to Mike's, we would say we have God moments. Last night, I was meeting with some of our young couples, and one man, I'll let him tell his story one day, he talked about a God moment he had with God this week on the golf course. Of all places, God showed up at a golf course. How many believe God can show up at a golf course? How many think God can show up at the toilet? How many think God can show up anywhere? He's God. You're like... You're crazy. I even think he can show up at Krispy Kreme, just not to bless them. Okay. But God can show up wherever we gather. And God is showing up. And he's speaking to people. And that might be a God moment. I know this. When you hear the tender voice of God and God gives leadership, you go, yes. I, I'm going to pick a Mark since he's first day. I can do that. I bet God, one of Mark's God moments is the day that Brittany said yes. And all the church said. He knew God showed up. Wasn't that a cool thing? No, I'm just picking on you. Y'all been together, what, like forever? Yeah, isn't that cool? They fell in love as young teenagers, and now they're young adults, and they're, they're going to... He looked across the room one day, and he saw this beautiful woman, and he's been forever changed. It's a beautiful concept. I hope it's true. Here we go, here we go. The question, what God memory is special to you? You know what that God moment does? It screams at your soul. The third point, look quickly. We look ahead to what awaits us as true Christ followers. We don't just look behind. We don't just look within. But we look ahead to what Christ has promised to those that love him. 
and will heed and follow his holy word. They, they long for Christ. Have you, have you ever been on a family trip? Have you ever flown somewhere and you've been away? Man, I've been all over the world preaching the gospel. I've been away. I've been at conferences and I'm away. And there's this thing on my mind. It's called mama. It's called Donna. It's called Rachel. It's called Hannah. And that's Jeremy. And I long to be back to be with my family. Has anybody ever had that feeling before? When you're away, you long to be home. How much more? For the person that loves Christ. Do you long to be in the presence of Jesus? See, this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. And I don't know how thrilled you are about the future today, that you're looking forward to what God has for those that are lovers of Him. But you're, you're homesick. Listen to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For whenever you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. Here's one of the things I look forward to. I've got a lot of friends over the last 30-something years of ministry. And pastoring this church for almost 14 years, I've stood and done many funerals. I call them resurrection services. And I long to be reunited with those men and women that have gone ahead of me. But there's none that I long to see physically like I do my mom my dad that have so preceded me in death but oh as much as i long to await their presence and to see them how much greater it is to long await the risen jesus to stand not to stand to bow to kneel in the presence of the king just this morning mark told me that a young man that he ran with in our high school passed away. Was it yesterday? And uh, there he is, young, 51-year-old man. Somebody here saying, that ain't too young. It's young when you're my age. When you're 51, it's real young. And all the older people said, and all the young people said, y'all a bunch of old geezers. What are you talking about, 51? I know. I remember the day my dad turned 50. I walked to the coffee. I walked to the kitchen table. I remember this just like I remember preaching to you today. I walked to the kitchen table, and I was a smart aleck, didn't know Christ, full of myself, and thought I would have a great comment for the day. Said, hey, Pop, happy half a century. Don't it feel good? Man, he about back slapped me off the table right there. He didn't think it was too funny. I thought it was hilarious. And I just kind of laughed. And then one morning I woke up and I turned 50. And I didn't think it was too funny either. And my girls did not say, happy half a century. But my wife does it all the time. Here's what, here's what my wife does. She has modernized this version. <laughs> Donna has really figured it out best. I don't know what it is about this woman. She's awesome, but she's got this odd thing. She goes, hey, baby, you half a hundred. You half a hundred. Turn 51. She goes, you half a hundred and two. You know how old that sounds? When I'm 80, if I live to be 80, you have 160. Somebody going here, you're 160. You don't look so bad for 160. For 80, you look horrible. You know, I don't know, whatever. Just thought I'd share that with you. Thought it might change your life. Here we go. Here's what I love. The devout Jews would celebrate the Passover. And they had a saying in their tradition. They would hold up their cup and they would say, Next time in Jerusalem. Next time in Jerusalem. But for those that know Christ, we can say the next time 
with Christ. See, when Jesus partook of the table and the cup, he said, I won't do this again until I'm in my Father's kingdom. And when you sit at the Lamb's table of the Lamb. And when you sit at the Lamb's table, the supper of the Lamb, and then you'll do it with Jesus Christ the next time with Christ. I long to take Holy Communion the next time with Christ. How about you? I long await that. And every Christ follower should do that. Let me give you a couple passages quickly. Matthew 26, 29 and Revelations 19, 9. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. You ever had your feelings hurt because you didn't get invited to a big party or to a wedding or something? Sure, we all have. Well, let me tell you, everybody gets invited, but few will choose the narrow road that leads to Christ. The question is this, what are you looking forward to of God? What are you looking forward to of God today? Well, this morning, I'm going to invite six of my friends to go to the tables right now. Would y'all do that? Six of you that have been appointed table hosts, would you go to the six tables? Y'all just find a table and go there. And I ask you as the body of Jesus Christ to allow Christ to pour his love into your heart this morning and to meet with you. To come clean before God where you have made a mess and a mockery of your life. Be assured and confident that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You get in the middle table, bro. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What a great truth. If you're here today and you're broken, you're disabled, you're crippled in your sin, Jesus Christ comes for you. That's the good news of the gospel. So this morning, let's bow our heads and let's prepare our hearts because we're going to come to the table. Father, I thank you that the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, the Eucharist, Holy Communion is communal. It's not only an individual act, but it's an act of worship for the body of Christ. And today, Lord Jesus, we come to celebrate the sufficiency of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are actually among us. May you receive glory as we come today consecrate these elements that we've received now so lord we come to this sacred table because we can we come to this table because you invite us in faith now amen open your eyes here's what i want you to do there's two tables here middle section here y'all kind of get to figure out this table and here there's two tables there quickly begin to come but five of you five of you would you begin to come come to the table come jeremy's going to lead us in worship you can sing you can come to the altar you can kneel you can be served holy communion but worship him he is here